Hi, and welcome to Deep End No Floaties, the show that explores major life transitions, whether they are by choice or life just punched you in the face. In your experience, it's by choice. So yes, that's kind of a relief. We've been we've been talking a lot of you know life is punching us in the face. So you punched yourself in the face on this one. Yeah, in a good way. Doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? (laughs) (laughs) In a good way. The goal of this podcast is to learn from others who are going through the same thing and just explore the stories of being human. Sometimes the best medicine is just knowing that we are all in this life thing together. And we always start with most embarrassing stories. I'm so excited to hear Chad's. It might involve me, actually. Ironically. Shocking. I'm your host, Kim (laughs) Flynn. And today we're going to explore when do you leave a marriage? This Mm. is a spicy topic because Mm -hmm. our culture all says you dig in. That is the right thing to do. You are not selfish and you don't leave unless you're being physically abused, essentially. Right. Right. And so you made a different choice and you said, I am making a choice for my joy. Yes. And we're going to get into that. So really excited to talk to you today. That's uh, something that every marriage goes through at some time. When you're married 10, 15, 20, in your case, 30, almost 30 years, there's always those moments where you say, man, this is hard. Did I marry the wrong person or, you know, fill in the blank? Right. And we're going to, I'm so excited to talk to you because we're going to talk about how do you know when it's just, okay, let's dig in and when is it? Mm, This isn't working. So we'll get there. First, a word from our sponsor, Deep End No Floaties, is brought to you by Card Salad, a health and wellness company that teaches you how to systematize habits. Their flagship product is Eat Well, a weekly meal planning system that provides a complete done-for-you meal planning system and habit stacking. The goal is to never diet again. Visit cardsalad.com. So I want to introduce Chad to you. Chad is a 21-year founder of Pinpoint Management, which is his dream business. Not a lot of people get to say that. That's really cool. He specializes in giving business owners maximum time and money freedom doing what they love. And uh, he has a business admin degree from Weber State here in Utah, and he is a life path trainer and facilitator. Welcome, Chad. Thank Thank you. Good to be here. So we're excited to talk to you, Chad, in just a minute, but we have a giveaway. Actually, we've got two giveaways at the end of this program today, one from Card Salad, our sponsor, and one from you with Pinpoint Management. So all our listeners stay tuned for that. All right, Chad, let's dig in. Let's hear your most embarrassing story. Okay. Well, several years ago, Kim and I had an awesome experience, little, our paths crossed for a few years and it was super fun and during that time as I traveled about an hour away to co-train with her at her company eSimplified she graciously offered her basement and rooms to for lodging if you didn't if you live too far away we call it Hotel Flynn Hotel Flynn yes it was fantastic it's great really bad maid service hey I, I did not miss the mints on the pillow. Everything else still made up for that. It was awesome. But uh, there was one night where we had finished training about nine o'clock or so, and I decided I wasn't tired yet, so I decided to go hit a late movie, which put me here about 12 o'clock at night. And I got here, and there were no lights on the house, and go to the back door where, you know, the walk-in basement, and the door was locked. <laughs> <laughs> another said, another perk of Hotel Flynn. Yes. Yeah. And we keep, lock you out. <laughs> right, right. And keep in mind, I had just barely started working with Kim. So in my true perfectionist uh, blueprint, I didn't want to, you know, make a bad impression, especially this early. And me knocking on the door and asking to be let in just seemed way over the top. So I'm waking everyone up. 
while I called for hotels, every hotel was booked. There was some kind of event going on. There was literally no no rooms anywhere. And I ultimately ended up in a in a <laughs> parking lot at a grocery store <laughs> and I just reclined my seat back and slept in my clothes in my car. But the worst part is I <laughs> still need to shower and I was like, we're gone day two of our training. It's like, well, she's going to know I'm still in my original clothes. Plus, I feel crappy. So I thought, how do I like hurry and just go in quickly and get a shower before we start training and I can make this all go away? <laughs> so I pull up and and she's pulling out and I made some kind of comment that, yeah, I just forgot something in my car. <laughs> I'm just going to run in. I'll be down in a little bit. Heard and went and showered. And then there was some kind of, you know, confession segment we were doing for fun in the training. And, you know, the honest part of me just totally came clean and said, Kim, I totally was afraid to knock on your door and I slept in my car last night. <laughs> and we went on to tease chat about that for the next three years. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. Oh, that's my favorite. She stuck with me, though. It did not affect oh, our working it's, relationship. It's part of your charm. Part right. of your charm. Do you know my son, my 18-year-old son, who's lived in our house for 18 years, he had the similar experience <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, actually. Oh, no. He got locked out. It was like 2 in the morning. Maybe he was afraid of getting in trouble for getting home late. But honestly, he's 18. Mm. I don't, you know, I don't moderate that. Right. He, the house was locked up. The uh, battery on the, like the automatic keypad. keypad had died and he couldn't get in. And he called my daughter who doesn't live with me anymore. My 21 year old daughter, he calls her and he's like, Brenly, what do I do now? <laughs> and she, he's like, do I break a window? <laughs> and she's like, no, just ring the doorbell. <laughs> Your parents will not care. <laughs> So you're not alone. Oh, you're not alone. Oh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> All right. Okay, so let's get into your story. Talk to us about, I'm interested in the moment that you knew, the moment that you knew, or maybe it was several moments when you knew this isn't the marriage that I want. And was it in the beginning? Was it only later? Talk to right. us about that. Yeah, it was a process for sure, and which I'm grateful for because I definitely... Of all my decisions in my life, this was definitely the most far-reaching as far as just expansive, the number of people it have impacted, and just, to me, the value of it. Not a quick decision to make and lots to weigh out, especially with the, that many years of my life invested and, and hers and our kids. And the process probably started five years prior and we had been to counseling. We actually separated in 2013 and for about eight months. And it was just super difficult. And I, I made my fair share of mistakes for sure. Let me rewind you a little yes. bit and, and ask, did you think that you had a good marriage in the beginning? Would you have described yourself as happily married the first five, 10 years, let's say? I would say so. It just felt... A little bit empty to me and I wasn't sure and I kept thinking that would grow and this was nothing of her doing definitely not her fault there just seemed like there was a gap there in my heart space and which always kind of puzzled me it felt somewhat business-like we both went through the motions and I kept thinking maybe the next milestone would suddenly shift that heart space um, element 
as in when we'll have kids or when yeah. the kids maybe you know, the first all kid school. or maybe we need two kids or three kids and we ended up having four kids together over the course of our marriage and i realized that outside things don't feel inside needs. We went through all of the kind of checking the boxes together. We built a great family. I have zero regrets about a minute of any of those years. Ooh, I want to come back to that. Yeah. That's juicy. Keep yeah. going though. It did seem like something was off where I couldn't completely settle in the full heart space where I didn't expect it to be like the movie romantic, you know, over the moon constantly 24 seven, nor expecting it to not require work and effort. But I looked around and I could feel something different from other couples that I wasn't feeling that, that in my you know heart of hearts, I wasn't experiencing in our relationship. And I didn't know why, you know, one of the, one of the things I will like to sit down with the man upstairs at the end <laughs> is why do we put the biggest decision, one of the biggest decisions in our lives in the hands of a young adolescent who has very little experience maturity-wise or with relationships and throw them together into a decision that is, is very significant. And then down the road, you get lots of wisdom and perspective that's like, man, I wish I would have known this then. And... What do you think, man upstairs, whatever that is for you, what do you think well, that entity would say? I, you know, I hope, I hope he's got some answers. I, it doesn't make sense to me. Because and once you have kids together, you're in a lifelong relationship with that person, whether you're married to them or not, you are committed to connected. that person, yeah. connected for the rest of your life through that child. Right. And we do that at, you know, 25, 27, 22. Yeah, and that's one of the things I've noticed, one of my kind of epiphanies post-divorce is you're relieved that the day-to-day -day with you and the partner definitely shifts, but you've still got all the common attachments, mainly the kids and every single one of their life events and, and birthdays. And I mean, you're still gonna be put together with the kids it's not it's not as clear cut that okay just turn turn the chapter you go your way i'll go mine no you're constantly still connected so and that goes on for a while so for the rest of your life yeah, if you have kids together yeah mm -hmm. so it it really is you know and i've heard lots of stories and where people land you know post-divorce and some of them are super sad where there's just not only no relationship with the ex, but the, there's animosity and all kinds of things. But I have made a personal mantra that I believe it's what we choose to make it after, even with the ex, that we can still have something amazing. We've done things together since the divorce that reminded me we had some good things. Let's go back to the big R word that you mentioned before, not rabbits. It was a regret. <laughs> That was a stupid joke. Right. So let's go back to, I was trying to think of a better R word. Is yes. there a good R word? Mm. No. No. <laughs> okay. So regrets. Because you said, I have no regrets. Yes. And I would, I would push on that and say, don't you wish you had left five years in, 10 years in, 15 years in? Yeah. You know, that's what that last five years was kind of about. I kind of knew, I felt like 
the issue required a certain solution or tool and all the tools that we were using were the wrong one. And I realized the tool we need is not going to be in this box. We, we just keep going around and around with the same stuff and it's not, it's not going to come, come through. And so going back to the kids, to me, there definitely was a timing issue. And I, I am glad I, I waited, even though I knew kind of five years earlier, I, I knew there was an end coming. With kids, there's two sides to that coin. Is it better to just gut it out and stay in a you know so-so situation or even a bad situation so that the kids have a normal household type of thing? Or I don't know if normal is the right word because right. I think normal is divorce, right? Right. Yeah. Or is it better to show them all of who you are and show them a a full heart space relationship that works at that level so they have that kind of a blueprint to look at as well. And the other thing that, that I've realized is I couldn't give them all of me while I was surviving the marriage because it was taking everything I had to survive it. And because my heart wasn't there, I wasn't experiencing you know that joyful feeling and there was just nothing left emotionally to give them. And that combined with the structuring, the outward appearance of making everything look right and going through the motions, there was nowhere left nor the desire on my part or emotional resources to give them actually who I really was and perhaps what they really needed from me because I was already drained i was spent and you were you were exhausted I you was. were trying to tread water emotionally yeah that emotional okay. fatigue is brutal it's just 24 7. was it fighting or was it just trying to talk yourself into this is okay or what was it was that? mostly just talking talking through it and um saying it's okay my biggest downfall and weakness was i struggled talking out my feelings i just stuffed them down and not talk and said no in, man ever in yeah right <laughs> in, in hindsight that was a big part of what i did that made it not work that's kind of the wheelhouse for a healthy relationship is you got to go there and be comfortable being transparent so let's rewind back and the man in the sky whoever that is says hey chad let's take you back to when you were 27 here's this key thing that you learned at age 37. Right. <laughs> You're Thank welcome. You. You're welcome. Here's this key thing you, you earned at 37 after 30 years of marriage. And you took that knowledge, went all the way back to you at 25, 27, and said, okay, you have to be vulnerable and open and communicative. Does that change the marriage? Possibly. That's the one thing I would say to anyone who's considering moving on is all you can do is do your best at just picking up from there and starting to build forward. Let's let's take you here. So you've been struggling this whole time, just talking yourself into, I can do this. I can get this out. I'm staying for my kids. Then about five years before you left, you were really seeing the light and knowing that you would exit. Will you talk to us about those moments of when did you know? I'm guessing you didn't leave on a whim, obviously. Right. You were uh, very introspective about this and had to be somewhat sure. Talk to us about those moments. When you go to counseling, when you do the checklist of, of actions to try to create your solution and get you moving to the next place, before, during, and after that action in that process, 
there's kind of a heart check-in of, okay, is this moving the needle? What I did notice is the longer I went through the, what I'd call rearranging furniture in our relationship and tweaking, I realized that I've still got this emptiness. I was even fine if it was just even incremental, even marginal. When when me and my former wife had conversations or fights or whatever, it should be getting more and more narrow the more we get to know each other, the longer we're together. I mean, you hear the stories of people that have just grown old together and it... That's the ideal, it, right? That's the ideal, right? Mm-hmm. And it just didn't feel like the gap was getting any more narrow. Was there a moment where you're like, now I know? Yeah, I think back earlier when I separated and then I did have a sense of freedom, even, you know, a surprising kind of epiphany was I wasn't necessarily sad when I was separated. I still saw my kids and for sure stayed involved in their lives. But it's like, not only did I not feel sad, it's like, oh my word, I I can breathe again. I had some hope again. And then about eight months in, because of, I probably should, you know, make this thing work. I moved back in, but then I had new information, you know, after I had done the eight month sabbatical, basically. So the new information was, I was actually happier. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I, I think when you have space, when you move away from something for a minute, things, things get clearer. Sometimes that separation has a way of really calibrating that in and, and you realize, oh, okay, yeah, it's, it's not as crystal clear as I thought. And that's when I knew if I was all in and, and, and the gap was narrowing, narrowing the, the separation should have moved me closer to that. You think that you would miss her, appreciate her. Yep. Was there any of that? Yes, but it swung more in the favor of, I, I need a significant change, you know, and, and I've got to make a bold move. I can't do, it's going to require a bold shift to get a bold results. Talk to us about bold moves. You've used that phrase before and I'm intrigued by that. Yeah. Um, I feel like we all deserve, she deserves to be happy and I deserve to be happy. And then I've looked at happy versus joy. And I think happy is temporary. It's like having a good meal, enjoying an activity, and you're satisfied. I think joy is another level. Joy is sustained. It never ends. I think the price is you've got to be bold at times in your life. Now, bold may not be ending your marriage. Bold may be finally sitting down and being vulnerable with your your spouse and say, you know, I'm really concerned because I really want us to work, but here's what's going on with me. I I thought about going there more than once and I I thought one, she's gonna be mad or she's gonna think I want out. Kind of the the struggle maybe we all have in in life is you can't live backwards and there's million what ifs out there. I think there's a a myriad of degrees of love. And I think self-love is one that often gets forgot about. And at what point do we love ourselves enough that says, my life is worth something. Every minute I'm spending is worth, it's priceless because I will never get that back. It's the one thing that we we can't go borrow more of. And it's, it's the vehicle to have joy. 
so I deserve to have that and and the people in my circle deserve to have that so is the higher form of love instead of gutting it out and settling for the sake of everything looking okay but knowing you're never going to hit the joy level and knowing they're not going to hit their joy level too coming home about five years later from a soccer tournament from saint george with my son the thought came to me just a really strong feeling that you need to love her enough if you know in your heart of hearts it was also a feeling if you've done enough to to try to make it work you've done enough you've done all you can do and now you you need to love her enough to be the strong one to let go and give her the space and the rest of her life to so she can to experience what right now she may be too scared to say yes to and you need to be the strong one and give her her life and space in order that she can experience that as well because she deserves it and you deserve it but it, it the the highest loving choice may very well not be the easiest or happiest choice up front, but ultimately can be amazing on the other side of that. Also, the not the most conventional, right? Conventional right. is you made a vow, you stick it out, you gut it out. Yep. So lots of juicy things in there that I want to talk about. What's the difference between, you talk about self-love, right? Mm-hmm. And what's the difference between I am being a selfish person. I'm making choices for me, for my happiness. I don't care if everyone around me is screwed over. I'm happy, right? Right, right. <laughs> There's that extreme, right? Mm-hmm. Over here on the other side is I haven't checked in with myself. I haven't told the truth. I right. haven't made that bold decision to actually tell the truth or do what's right in my life. And I have just sucked it up in all areas until there is no soul left in me. Those are your two extremes, right? Right complete selfish and not selfless victim martyr afraid of your own life right, right. and then that sweet spot in the middle yeah how do you navigate between those two yeah i i think for me i did a ton of just prayer ton of meditation i had to just truly get honest with myself and look myself in the mirror and go you're not you're not happy What what parts had you not been honest with yourself on? Just the reality of your heart's not in this. And either, and if you know you can't put your heart into it, then you owe it to yourself and everyone else. I did know I'm going to have to make some big, some bold choices if that's, if that's where I'm at. One thing I knew for sure was I was going through the motions and I was empty and I knew, I knew my kids could feel that. They could feel something was off. They, my, my second oldest daughter mentioned a month ago, she said, dad, I feel like I know you better than I've ever known you now. Wow. Do you feel like you've come more alive or what? Yeah, for sure. Because I'm settled in my heart space, I'm no longer looking for outside things to make up the difference. I can truly connect and be available for my kids like I never was. You're not spending all your emotional energy trying to lie to yourself and say this is okay, right. essentially. Yeah, and and spending all the time and money rearranging furniture. And every one of my kids, I can say, I have 
my best relationships I've had with them. Does it still require work? Do I still need to be vulnerable and talk? Yes, and I realized, you know what, either either path I chose, staying or leaving, required work. The difference now is all my minutes are actually building something in a joyful way where before it felt like I was that's going to break even. Got it. Because either one, you're going to work. So it's kind of like going to a job. It's like, well, I got to make a paycheck versus I know I want to do this business, but it's going to require work and hours. Both of them require, but when it's your dream, it doesn't feel like work. You'll put more in your passions behind it because your heart space is the momentum versus just trading time for money and the other side. So I'm wondering if you were in that position. I hear this from friends sometimes as they think about, oh, I could, you know, just leave this situation and find something better or find someone who or, you know, grass is always greener. Right. When you left, you weren't dating anyone else. You hadn't been in love in 30 years. How did you talk yourself into, I'm going to leave what is okay, but takes a lot of emotional energy into being alone. Sometimes that's a big decision for a lot of people. Will you talk to me about that? Yeah, I was embracing the reality. I mean, I was 54 at the time and I I really kind of thought, oh, well, this isn't like, you know, a year in or a few years in and, you know, I'm still this is 30 on the market, years. baby. Is there anyone out there? I mean, I think the window's already closed. So that was a real possibility that I may not end up with anyone again. Um, and, you were, and you were fine with that. You had accepted that. I, I had. I had. Because I realized if I can find me in the middle of all this and figure and discover that part of me, it would be worth it if that's all that, that comes. And then I found you know, someone else as well. And, and that was a bonus. But I, I realized Wait, I, you, I you just be... You just called your wife a bonus, yeah? <laughs> just making sure that that just happened. <laughs> okay, we better edit that. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Amazing bonus. This goes back to a point I wanted to make about the, the bold choices and those moments where the train is on a track that no longer is taking you to that joyful space. You can see... You can see where you want to be, but you know this train's never going to be on that track. And then there's a moment where you have that rail switcher, you know, lever, and that's your bold choice. You make the bold choice, and you know, okay, I've got to make that choice at this time. There's literally windows just like that. Otherwise, that lever's gone. In that moment, as you would expect, your mind starts freaking out your logical voices in your head will challenge your bold choice it will say you're being extremely selfish combined with the fact that all the people that you thought were your friends family will all hate you everyone will hate you prepare for that they will challenge they will say you're being selfish for me it just had to be from my heart a clear heart space and then the next challenge is building forward, working daily, even by the minute, to not keep looking back and, and asking what if, because there's no control over that anymore. That's powerful. So don't look back and say what if, what if. Once the bold choice has been made, you move forward. What were your yep. biggest fears when you made that bold choice? The probably big fear was because I am somebody who it's important to me that people like me, and so I've had to re- 
you're a human. Recal, yeah. Okay. Definitely <laughs> recalibrate that, right? Yeah. You so, pissed a lot of people off. Yeah. And a lot of people are not fans. Right. In your wife's family, I'm guessing. Yeah. A combination of either <clears throat> making them angry or hurt, which, mm. which I realized too, a lot of the anger is also projected grief. You move through all those emotional phases, right? And that was a big surprise that was really tough. What I didn't see was all of the relationships behind her that I also cared about. Her family, her mom, people I was really close to. It feels like a death. It really does. And you have to grieve the loss. They're grieving your loss. You're grieving theirs. It's a 180 from where you were. and So that's the fear that you should have been afraid of, but, mm-hmm. but didn't see coming. What were the fears that you were afraid of, and how did those turn out? Yeah, I was afraid I'd be alone forever, and I would be lonely and depressed. What if it's totally the wrong decision, and I'm on the outside looking in, and I burn my bridges, and then I can't go back? I really wanted to maintain at least a good friendship with my ex-wife, and I made a choice after I'd left and we had finalized, she bought a home. It was kind of a remodel project, so I helped paint and helped her move in. And That was about nine months after your divorce? Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah, and a lot of people were going, man, too. And yeah, I took some lashings because family, her really close friends who were super loyal, some of them, you know, let me know how they feel while I was there, you know, moving boxes out. And I knew full well what I was walking into And it was still more important to me that she knew. And she even asked me, why would you help me with my house and moving? And I said, because you matter and you will always matter to me. And that's all I can control, right? Is where is my intention and where I know my heart is. Now, I can't control if somebody believes I'm faking it. They're gonna think whatever they think. All I know is I I can only control my life and what I use with my time that I have. Let's talk about, because that's the the only time you got emotional in this conversation is when you're talking about your former wife. That's the big fear, isn't it? I will hurt this person Mm -hmm. who has dedicated their life to me and with me. We have children together. We've got 30, 28 years together. How do you move past, I will devastate this person's life? Yeah, honestly, it's, it's daily. It's by the minute. It's constantly on my mind. I've got to own all of that. I've had individual conversations with each of them, including her and with each of my kids. And I I just told each of them up front, I know this has been hell on earth. And I want you to know one, that I love you. and, And I always have. And two, that I'm sorry for the pain that my choices caused. And some of those conversations were really, really scary. My oldest son's probably had the hardest time transitioning and he was the last one I talked to. And we were at lunch together. I asked him if he'd go to lunch and I fully expected that he might even refuse just the invitation. He said yes and then I told him that and I didn't know what to expect after that. And he just said, Dad, I." He said, thank you for telling me, and I love you, and I forgive you. And then he stood up and came around. But it but it required some bold choices for me to create that space, and I had to go first. It was my choice, so I own the responsibility 
to be the initiator. I don't expect any of them to come to me. I've written a letter to my former mother-in-law that I was super close to, and she came up during my daughter's reception and thanked me for the letter and told me she loved me. It would be easy to just kind of try to work around it and avoid it, but I really believe it's up to us what we make it. So when do you forgive yourself? You made the bold choice. You knew in your heart it was the right choice. Mm -hmm. You had confirmation from spirit, God, whatever that is, to people. You knew it was the right choice, but you had to flip the switch. Life didn't do it to you or for you. Right. And so then you held on to and possibly still hold on to, I have hurt all these people. Mm -hmm. When and how do you forgive yourself for that? Boy, that that's the hardest one of all. It really is. Because as we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, you know, this was by choice. And I guess my best answer is it's a daily process, lots of meditation and rechanneling my time and my energy into things I can control, which is rather than me feeling guilty and painful about it, how can I take the same energy and build something from it, build a relationship, go serve somebody else, self-care. But like anything else in life, it, it's a daily act of service to to let go. And then you factor in anytime there's a holiday, it easily can spin you right back into it. It's not if, but when. You got to process again and again and again and get outside help, get, get people around you that support. And it's so interesting that whether you've lost a child or a sickness or whatever else, if, if life has kind of happened to you, it requires a lot of grief and a lot of processing and a lot of therapy and whatever else. We, as a culture, I don't think are as mindful as when you make these bold choices, when you flip that train track mm -hmm. to a different track, that can cause as much grief, as much trauma, as much processing, as much therapy when you have chosen that versus when it happened to you. I think right. that's remarkable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's really just a different version of it, but you go through all those same emotions. Mm -hmm. And I've never made a single choice that, that has been so transcendent for every Christmas, the holidays. It always feels different because you always go back. I was talking to my counselor shortly after the divorce, and he said, oh, even your kids, even if they know you're happier, they will still, majority of the time, say given the choice of you being together, even if you were unhappy or divorcing to be happy, they would still want you together because it's normal. Got it's it. familiar for them. And that that was one of the toughest choices because I literally am putting, you know, my own oxygen mask on first, even when it doesn't make sense to them and it looks completely selfish. I knew where I was headed and what I had to do not only for my best interest, but ultimately for theirs. And they've gone from the anger and the grief to we just keep building. And it's just kind of one little miracle after another that is a testament to, you know, their character and, you know, their version of love. A couple of questions for you. If you could go back and be the Chad you are now, right before you chose to make that decision to pull that train track mm -hmm. switch, what advice would you give yourself? Saying, say what you need, need to say. I mm -hmm. love that song. I would probably say what I needed to say back then. Got it. I wouldn't say 
nothing's wrong or I'm fine. You, you would know, tell the truth. I would, because at some point, one thing I have noticed, the truth's going to come out. Every, every little piece of it, nothing is in the dark. If the intention is to, to put yourself in a position to win with the relationship, it, it has to start with that, no matter how scary it is, and then trust that walking through that fire of authenticity and transparency and vulnerability, you got to trust that there's something on the other side, but all you can control is going through the fire initially and then trusting what's on the other side. I always wanted to back my way into that, somehow avoid it. From my perspective, that was probably the one single thing, because even counseling, you can go through the process and the rhetoric and stuff, but being completely honest and just saying things that need to be said as early and as often as is necessary. Okay. Another question. So imagine we're now two or three years in the future. We've talked about that working to forgive yourself or wanting to forgive yourself peace. Mm-hmm. What would that look like if you could do magic wand moment? First of all, do you want to forgive yourself? Or are you still holding on to that penance piece? Yeah, my perfectionist blueprint definitely likes to have that beat up stick just at the ready, just in case. Just feels good sometimes, yeah. you know, take yeah. that bad boy out. Right. Beat yourself. Yeah. And, you know, especially when you get divorced, I think you... you you can just fill in the blank of what that person should be thinking about me. Got it. And You'll tell them for you. Yeah, this is why here, you hate yeah, me. This is why you exactly. should hate you me. should hate me. This is why I mean, I'm an asshole. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. Here's all the evidence. And, mm-hmm. and that's what's tough is because the, the divorce really has tangible evidence to it at that point versus just kind of a relationship where you're just quirky or whatever. But no, you're like... You know, and you're, you the, and you're left the one, your 28 you're the year one that left. Yeah. You are the jerk. Yeah. Well, it's got to feel good. And as I've studied divorce, they, they, they've said one of you ultimately has to be the initiator, which I was. And whoever's the initiator will always feel and be viewed as it was your y- fault. Your fault. Yeah. So you said the word always. Do you think that is true? Do you think you will always feel that? Or do you think there's some kind of self-forgiveness somewhere in the future and i'd love to hear the honest truth on that honestly you know we should talk in three to five years and see where i'm at (laughs) yeah because it's been it's in my opinion three years still fairly recent so everything is really fresh right now and it's just always in my face of this transition which constantly begs the question of you made all of this happen so i feel guilty when the kids have to come to my house, we're they got two houses. There's so much to just feel guilty about the logistics alone, much less the emotion. That's my dream is that I can be at a point, one where I really know and feel maybe just the evidence of how my kids respond to me, but that they just hold me in that space that dad, you know, we understand not only do we forgive you, but they're grateful for another blueprint to look at and compare notes for their relationships. I would hope for my ex-wife and I to have a really good friendship that at some point all the pain could be replaced with building forward. I love to transition to a whole nother arena that might be even rare for former partners to have of where her her and her new spouse and me and my spouse can be together and actually 
you know, have fun together as friends. That would be rare indeed. That would be rare. You see it every it? once in a while. Yeah, that's yeah. nice. That's interesting that that's your goal. So your, that's my vision. Your dream. Yeah. My vision for you, if I can be so bold and give that to you, is I would love to see you have the desire to put down the stick. Like when you right. talk about forgiveness, it's I want forgiveness for my children. It would be really nice to not to be able to instantly say I forgive myself, but to even move into the space of I want I want that forgiveness of myself. I want to put the stick down. Right, right. Yeah. I think it somehow having the stick helps me get through mm-hmm. each day because it's security. It's security. It's I if I punish myself enough for doing this then I'm actually not a bad person right? because I'm self-punishing. Yeah, it's interesting. That's, that's the reality, though. Mm-hmm. That's really what's going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a very human human space to be in. Yeah. Is there anything else that you want to talk about or cover before we wrap up? I can't live backwards. And who knows? I may have made the worst decision of my life by, Probably. by giving up <laughs> after 28 years. <laughs> At the same time, there's been lots of miracles and amazing things on this side of that choice, too. I think you said it best when you said, I need to be okay in my not okayness. I Mm -hmm. need to be okay in my mess. And I need to be okay with my kids being in that emotional turmoil as well. Right. I think that is kind of the ticket. Yeah. It's not about getting out of this and everything will be okay and shiny and sunny one day. It's being okay with people around you having a hard time and with you having a hard time. Yeah, and interesting is I've had those tough conversations where I've just listened as my kids have like shared their pain, not only just for my stuff, but as they're searching and they've got questions and they're on their life path and it's like, it's literally their life. I can't do it for them, but I can be there and listen. And it felt messy and sticky and uncomfortable, but I thought, I'm going to go here like I've never gone before and I'm going because I know I've never gone down this road and it's the only road left so I'm going to go and see if it kills me then so be it at least I at least I went and what I find is it's the opposite it actually creates more life in me and as I reflect back on those moments and my kids reflect back on those conversations the ugly awkward, messy stuff ends up being the beautiful stuff. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Like that, that's, that's the point right there. The messy, the sticky, the ugly. You went down a path you hadn't gone down before. You hung with it. You just listened and were there. And that is the beauty. It's awesome. Ah, I love that. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) All right. So it has been an absolute pleasure connecting with you today. Uh, Thanks for being here. I know this is a tough topic and you... You just like those conversations with your kids, you just went there, right? Yeah. Leaned into the messy, the sticky, and that is what ends up being beautiful. That's my favorite mm. part of the, our entire conversation today. Yes. As we wrap things up, reminder that the goal of this podcast is to learn from others, like Chad, or <sighs> just feel heard when life is coming at you hard or when you're making those bold choices. Know that all members of the human family are here with you. And we are all going through it, and sometimes it just feels great to know that you are not alone. I have an invitation to our listeners. If you have been through a life-changing experience having to do with body positivity, overcoming an eating disorder, losing weight in a sustainable way, and you would like me to ask you awkward questions about it so your experience can help others, please leave a comment naturally with your five-star review and we'll follow up with you. And we've got two giveaways today. 
If you leave a comment about your favorite quote or idea that you got from Chad, tell us why you love that, how it impacted you. And I will pick my favorite each week and I'll send you a free Eat Well starter kit. This is a $150 value. So I'm excited to see what was the impactful piece about what Chad said. So Chad's business also has a giveaway. So his business, ppmanagement.com, he wants to give a freedom fast track session for people who are feeling financially and time trapped or just would like to get to the next level faster. So this is a 30 minute session with you directly, right? Mm -hmm. That's really generous. Mm -hmm. With Chad to figure out the next business step in business or personal space to building the life that you want. Thank you so much, Chad. You're welcome. We're excited about that. Next week, we'll continue to explore strategies and experiences of being in the deep end with no floaties. And as always, we try to answer the question, what do you do when you're still in the middle, when you haven't had it all figured out yet? There's no happy ending yet. There's no happy bow tie to tie around everyone's experiences. How do you find your way when you haven't found your way? Thanks for joining us, Chad. And thanks to our listeners. This is Deep End No Floaties. And thank you in advance to our listeners for giving us a positive review. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you.